Hi, my name is John Kim, and I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth. I share my feelings and revelations. I believe in casual or clinical and with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. You're going to love today's guest. I'm super excited. His name is Mike Sagan, and he is, like me, creating a dialogue about men, redefining men. Um, and we have a lot of overlap. We are both Asian. We both have a passion to create a dialogue about men, working with men, doing men's work. Also, um, we are both coaches. And, oh, we have mutual friends. Where we differ is that he could grow a full beard. I can't grow anything. Okay, Mike is a certified professional men's coach and co-founder of The Unshakable Man, and uh, he delivered a TEDx talk. Oh, that's, that's another thing we have in common, about the significance for young people to have trusted adults in their lives, recognizing the impact and, and importance of deep emotional health propelled him into his coaching career. He uh, also partnered with companies like Dropbox, um, Dropbox, LinkedIn, Google, Kaiser Permanente. And he also partners with Everyman, where he hosts men's groups, facilitates men's retreats. He does it all. He is uh, super, his energy is amazing. And uh, I just love chatting with uh, men who are passionate and uh, wanting to uh, redefine what a man looks like. You're going to really enjoy this one. Here's Mike. Um, first, I want to thank you for being on uh, my podcast. I appreciate it. Can you hear me? Oh man, thanks for the invite. Yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. So uh, we won't say who, but you're coaching two of my my friends. I think two of my friends, and um, that's how I heard about you. And I thought this was a great way to. Um, um, cause I can't control them. I thought this was a great way to indirectly control them is through you. <laughs> so that's what this yeah. is about. <laughs> yeah. Feed it, feed it to me and I'll relay it, relay it over to them. Yeah. I'm just going to tag team, you know, it's like, okay, fi- <laughs> finally I have a Trojan horse. I have someone on the inside. Um, because and they- I won't say who I won't say who. Yeah. And you know, when you're friends with someone, you know, cause they think I'm silly and they, they don't take me seriously. I mean, I mean, they probably on the inside, you know, but, um, on the outside, because we're boys, um, when it comes to things like self-betterment, they don't, they just see me as John, you know? So, um, now I have Mike, my, uh, my, my superpower. <laughs> Mike, your Trojan horse. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to plant John seeds. Uh, John Kim seeds into their hearts. Yeah, but I, I actually, um, all jokes aside, I have heard great things about you, um, and we have many. And then it turns out we have many mutual friends, right, um, or people we know. Um, but what I'm interested in is because uh, what we where we overlap is um, our passion uh, to help people, but also um, specifically men. So. How did that all start for you? Like, how did your fire in, in your belly um, to help men? Tell me the, the birth of that. So I spent most of my career in education, working mm. with young people. Um, I think similarly to you, you're working with young people uh, yeah. with addiction, right? Yeah. So I was working with young people who were suffering through um, depression, suicidal attempts, suicidal ideation, eating disorders. 
Um, and I worked uh, really closely with young people who didn't have an outlet to express any of that. And um, the work was super powerful, man. I loved, loved, loved what I do, but there was something in me that was calling out to do something greater. Yeah. And, um, I was working with a young woman. She was like, oh my God, like maybe 12 or 13. And she had just confided in me that she... Oh, young, uh, young. Like this is young. like, uh, yeah, so I worked with high school. school. Oh, you're in middle yeah. school. Got it, got it. So I work, I work with all ages, but right. uh, most of my career I worked with uh, kids in, during puberty and then in high yeah. school. Yeah, Sp- sponges. Exactly, man. Yeah. And so this, this young woman was like, basically confided to me that she had been uh, raped by her mm-hmm. uncle mm-hmm. and consecutive, like it was, it was over a period of time. And uh, I was like, this is freaking nuts. I had worked with young people who had gone through similar situations, sexual abuse, rape, but for some reason, this young woman really struck me. Mm. And um, it was something about her story that I really connected with. I am a sexual abuse survivor. I, uh, same, similar to her close family member that was sexually abusing me over a course of uh, several years. And so um, something clicked in my heart, man. And she was like, I was like, why am I the first adult? To hear this from her mm. not only that I, but i love that um i love that she trusted you in your mail totally yeah totally yeah and um and so that sparked sparked something in me i just kind of got curious about where the fuck are all the adults at yeah right? this, this young girl sees sees adults all day five days a week at school several adults a day and yet i am the very first person in the last seven years that she's told mm. uh, about her her sexual abuse and her, her rape uh, and so that kind of clicked something in my heart. I was like, okay, cool. What's next? What's next? What's next? And it took me about three years to figure out what the hell coaching was right. and to get into it. Um, and so, so, wait, so what year was this when, when you had this collision and then it ignited something in you? This like three years 2000, ago? Years? 2014 was when I had that young woman mm. come up to me. And then okay. 2016, 17 is when I started to like put my hands in different things and end of 2016 is when I found out what coaching was immediately got into a program I went to coaches training institute and it was through that program that my coach my master coach kind of coached me into a niche and uh, she was like so what do you want to do and I was like I I want to do retreats retreats she's like for who I'm like for men and she's like great next time we meet you're gonna have put down a down uh, a, a deposit on a campground and, uh, and I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to run a retreat. I've never done this before. She's like, it's okay. We'll figure that out. Just put your deposit in. So I put down a $500 deposit, came back and I was like, let's do this. And so that kind of, that kind of transformed into, uh, men's work and then reading statistics around men's mental health, you know, 6 million men are, uh, diagnosed with depression every year. The yeah. highest demographic of suicides in America are committed by men ages 45 to 65. Men are less likely to ask for help. Lonely, loneliness is an epidemic and it impacts more, more men than women, right? And, uh, and so like I started reading all these different statistics and I was like, wow, like I'm a male. I identify as man, as a male. Why haven't I known anything about this? And why aren't there that many resources for us men? Where the hell are all the resources at? All the men's groups. And at the time, I only knew about Mankind Project really lightly, very, very lightly. Um, and so then I just started doing my own thing. Um, I created, it was first called The Authentic Man. And then I, uh, I changed uh, our, our brand and called it, now it's The Unshakable Man. 
And um, yeah, man, we're men's emotional awareness uh, program, help men uh, kind of get aware of who they are and their emotions so that they can be productive in this world. So do you run retreats now or because of the pandemic, it's now gone online or you do both? So before, before the pandemic, uh, I was running retreats and I was doing yeah. them through every man. Mm. Are you familiar with Everyman? Uh, I, I yeah, I, I don't. Um, I've I've seen him on the on uh, social media, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know a lot about him. Yeah, so I work close, really closely with Everyman uh, as a facilitator and as a men's group facilitator. Uh, and so before the pandemic, we were we were throwing like ten retreats a year. Wow. Uh, How long? Tell me about these retreats. How long are they? And. Uh, um, what are you What are you doing? Because I could imagine, you know, uh, and this is a generalization, but men tend to go on retreats for activities, not mm-hmm. to not to sit in a circle and talk about their feelings, right? So, um, <laughs> how do you how do you lure them in? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're always that choice, man. They are, you know, they volunteer for this. They come in on their own accord, and so uh, sometimes we do guys get guys who their partners kind of force them to go. Ultimatum. They're like, hey, like. Here's here here are some retreats. Pick one, yeah. And go to one, and yeah. then let's start working on a relationship. But really, I think a lot of guys come into it thinking that they need to change. They're not right. quite sure what the change is. Right. But they need to do something different in their life. What so, happens in the retreat? Like, what's the structure? So most of our retreats are three days. Oh, okay. Uh, nice. So Friday evening, it's less than forty-eight hours actually, mm. because it starts Friday evening and then it ends Sunday. Sunday, Sunday afternoon, it's packed with connection, with mm-hmm. exercises, with opening up. Uh, and then also we, we do outdoor activities. So uh, in Joshua Tree, we go into Joshua Tree National Park. We do mm-hmm. vision quests. We do mini vision quests. We do anger ceremonies. Uh, oh, wow. That's in, awesome. And, um, we, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. What, what's a, what's a, describe a vision quest? What, what is that exactly? It sounds, that sounds um, very interesting. That sounds different. That sounds, you know, that sounds like something that um, I, as a man, would be interested in. Like, that would pique my interest, you know, a vision yeah. quest. Yeah, yeah. There's so adventure a, behind that. We do a mini vision quest, but traditionally, a vision quest, like a full-on vision quest, can be from three days mm-hmm. to ten days. It is, uh, you are by yourself in nature. Oh, shit. And you are fasting the entire time. Oh, so it is challenging. So it yes. is, yeah. So uh, mental, spiritual, uh, emotional, physical, sure. it's all of that. Wow. Yeah. Um, have you lost people on the, have people not come back? <laughs> it, so we, so we, we've had to make an agreement to tell guys, like, if you're going to leave, let us know that you're going to leave because then mm. we get into freak out mode and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This is like deep emotional work. And sometimes that can bring up a lot of things for guys and you know, our, our, our survival responses come up and when our survival responses come up and our direct, when we get into conflict or we get into something tough, sometimes it's to flee, get the hell yeah, out of Yeah, of course. And of so course. we get guys that are like, uh-uh, I'm not doing this. This is way too uncomfortable for me. I got to go. So sometimes we'll get guys who both show up the first night and the next morning we're like, where the heck are John and John right. and Mike at? Right, right. <laughs> where did they go? <laughs> they, um, they called an Uber. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So... So is that the peak of the retreat is building up to this vision quest or is that like day one? Uh, that's day three. Wow. Yeah, right. So, so you're, um, I would say the, the peak is probably Saturday. I mean, if you're, if you are familiar with facilitating anything that, that, that has any kind of curriculum or scaffolding, uh, and then we have like, uh, like with the, with the, with the emphasis on mental wellness and mental health, there has to be, 
uh, a way to lightly bring guys into this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And can... uh, and 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 I'm not saying that the first exercise we do is light. Actually, the first exercise we do is pretty fucking tough. Mm. And and all it is is making eye contact with people. Oh shit! That's wait, all wait, it is. is this the one where you're where you're literally sitting down, just um, looking at the other person for maybe yeah, five minutes? Yeah, oh we, we man, do, do, that's that's heavy lifting. Like that Dude, is, that, that um, I did that with a female once, someone I was dating, and it was difficult. Uh, we tried it for ten minutes. People cry and shit. That's like mm-hmm. no joke. I can't imagine two men, especially if they're not used to being open um, and being strangers. And being strangers to stare at each other's, uh, I mean, I can imagine men just getting up and walking out, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. We often, we often get guys who the first meeting, the first circle we get, they're like, one foot is out the door. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the mm-hmm. hell I'm doing here. I decided to sign up, but I'm feeling uncomfortable. This, I don't think this is for me. Yeah. But yeah. what's amazing about that is the awareness that they have, right? That's all. We, we accept all that. We want you to feel that. We want you right. to come in however you want. If you're excited, if you're happy, if you feel joy, come in. But if you're feeling angry, pissed, frustrated, if you're feeling sad, come in with that too. If you're feeling shame, bring it all in. And what happens is over the course of literally only 48 hours, People leave, guys leave this retreat and they are transformed. Oh, I can imagine because of the amount of stuff that comes up, right? The emotional arc that you go through um, in those three days because you're doing things that you don't ever do, you know, in everyday life, right? Like stare at each other. Right. Uh, but also it's like, it, it's, it's, it may be for the first time in a really long time for these guys to feel what true connection is. Oh, or what, interesting. Or what, right. what intimacy is with another man. Yeah, right. and, and so what, now what also affection is too with another man. Right. And now we're getting into um um you know guys who grew up in locker rooms, right? A lot of my yeah. friends, a lot of athletes, um the uh uh definition of man being, you know, um shut down, I could fix things, performance based, and things like eye contact with another man is quote unquote gay. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and then them being, you know, don't want to be that. So they joke about it and, and all of that. So um, to actually expose them to that, you know, I think is um, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you got to yeah. shock the system. Yeah. Right? You, you yeah. got to shock the system yeah. to let the guys know that something's not working and to yeah. help them figure out what to do next. You know, I mean, like, like the, I, I feel like the entire retreat we go into very safe spaces and then a safe container we go into holy shit i'm in survival mode back to okay i'm back in parasympathetic my yeah. body's calm and then yeah. coming back into sympathetic and fight flight or freeze and then come back into parasympathetic and calm and so when we get guys to go through these roller coasters they end they leave feeling like oh my god like i feel like that was an emotional workout yeah and i want to continue doing this work yeah, I want to continue moving forward with this. And we often get guys who come home from a retreat and their their partners are like, oh my God, you are completely a different person. Sure. You're a completely different dad, a different partner, a different man. So you guys are like the first domino. You guys are the um, um, the people that um, become maybe the soil or become the inciting incident for the man to go on some kind of inner journey. Uh, you know, I don't think so. No, you know, I think, no, I think, you know, I, what I tell my coaching clients and the guys that come to our retreats or our men's group is your transformation started before we even met. You okay. knew something wasn't working. You, you got know? it. Yeah. So, okay. 
So you, something, so something you, happened before for them to get where you guys are. Yeah. Right. Even, even if that was you, their partner shining a mirror on their face and being yeah. like, you know, like, look at this, this, look at your reflection. This isn't working. I feel like that is the, the, the catalyst. Like, oh my God, I got to do something about this. And then I, I just get to be the person that gets to put the nutrients in and the water, the seed. To put the yeah. On. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's put a bookmark there. I want to know um, uh, more about you and your story. So where did you grow up? I'm a Bay Area native, man. Oh, okay. I grew up in the Bay yeah. Area, grew up in San Jose, spent most of my time uh, in the East Bay, um, and then most recently in Oakland. Um, what ethnicity are you? Filipino. Oh, okay. Filipino. Old Filipino. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I'm Korean and I, I, um, I get that a lot uh, just cause I have darker skin. People think I can see that. Filipino. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. You also like, you also have a, like a broader nose. Yeah. I got that. Like, uh, like a Filipino. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? Um, I, used, what, I mean, that's what I think. I used yeah. to, I used to hate my nose, man. My, my grandma used to, um, say I had an upside down strawberry nose and she said that, uh, if I, if I, if I squeezed it, uh, for a long time, it was sharpened, and I grew up with um, a lot of Caucasian um, people with, with sharp noses. And I always felt left out. I felt like I had a big fat nose, and so when I was ten, I used to just sit in the bathroom in the dark and just just squeeze my nose for like oh, a very long time. Yeah, it didn't yeah, work. Very similar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very similar to, to some of my upbringing, and like we would hear stories of like um, putting tape on your nose oh, yeah. putting it down yeah. or like putting tape on the eyes to like open it up a little bit yeah yeah um, it's just like some fucking internal internal fucking hate and well, well so when when you grew uh, grew up did you uh was that a thing being a minority um or in san francisco was it was it easier so what's interesting is i grew up in san jose where uh I thought I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood and a diverse mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is, is I like a third were Filipino, a third were Vietnamese, a third were Latino. And then there is like a smattering of black people and white people. And I thought, yo, I'm, this is diverse. I moved to Fremont, California uh, in high school and 50% of my school was white. Oh, and then, right. And then, and then a quarter were black. And then a quarter were a Latino. And I was like, mm. no, this is diversity here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't really until uh, I got into high school where I felt I was, I was different from everyone else. Where I felt like I didn't quite fit in with everyone else. And, and, and what, what did you think was different about you? Wait, what, what, what year did you graduate? I know, I know you're younger than me, but I'm trying to get a, a, a sense of timeline. 2005. Okay, 2005. So yeah. um, at that time in high school... Um, what was different about you? What did you feel was different? Was it the color of your skin or was it other things? Color of my skin. It was also mm. how I dressed. Oh. I, came from, I came from East Side San Jose where, you know, we wore like baggy pants and right. fubu right. and like, <laughs> you know, like we wore Adidas and Filas and like, yeah, big, yeah, big yeah. Gear. And then, and then I come to high school and people are listening to Blink-182 thrice. They're listening to some 41 Lincoln Park yeah. and like, and for me to fit in, I went from immediately wearing like baggy pants to skinny, more form-fitting pants, uh, more form-fitting clothes. And so I felt different in that, but I also felt different because um, I'm gay. And mm-hmm. so as a closeted young man, right, uh, and also being a group Christian, and oh, so right. I had all these competing, competing ideas or competing stories of who I needed to be. So in high school, uh, you were in the closet in high school. No one knew, mm-hmm. or did you come out? No one knew. No, uh, I didn't come out until right. I was in college. Okay, I, I was twenty-three. 
Yeah. So what was uh, that like during your high school years to be, um, you know, now wearing uh, skinny jeans, <laughs> being uh, closeted, um, you know, uh, also being a, a minority? What did you do with all of that? Did you just kind of stuff it inside and just, you know, uh, started wearing baggy clothes and try to fit in? Um, now you're listening to Blink-182 or did you stand on your truth? I'm assuming you didn't until college, right? Yeah, man. Try to fit in as much as I could. Uh, right. I think it's, it's, it's human nature for us to want to belong somewhere. Oh yeah. I, uh, right? since, since I came, I've come to the America, it's been, you know, subconsciously trying to fit in, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I've, I've, and, and I, I feel like I'm very good at blending in. With I feel like in, in so many ways, that's a superpower of mine to be like yeah. this, this like chameleon who can step into any situation and just kind of be okay. Yeah. And blend in. And so yeah. my high school experience was actually pretty fucking awesome. Mm. I loved high school. I so you, really you didn't get bullied or anything because you, no, you no, blended no, in. No. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, but now I was also really good at like hiding my sexuality. Right. And, right. Right. And all of that. And I also joined theater and choir. Uh, mm. So I was like, I was playing basketball, but I was also doing theater and choir and I basketball. I didn't really feel like I felt like I, I fit in there. And so I quit basketball and I felt, and I was like, I'm going to go join the theater folks. And, right when I joined the theater folks and the choir folks, it like just like blended in. It was just so easy for me. You know, what's cool is, you know, speaking of Trojan horse, which we're joking about, because the uh, energy I get from you is um, wide. Like there's a, there's a, a, a spectrum of sensitivity, charismatic, but also you mentioned sports, right? So you're probably athletic. Um, and then you mentioned things like choir. So I'm assuming with all of those things, um, it almost created a shield. Like you actually wore a, a you were a Trojan horse going into high school as someone probably who was uh, popular, not picked on, and and was able to fit in anywhere. You know, what Yo, I'm saying? man. I mean, yeah. that's like that's part of my shadow. Mm, right? Yeah, that's part of my shadow yeah. is like you know I have this ability to blend in, and in so many ways, it was a hero to me. It was a protector for me. But right. I also find myself coming into situations where. I don't feel like I'm being true to myself. I feel like I'm putting up this like uh, this facade or this this uh, this character. I would put it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, in so many ways, like uh, it, it's been my shadow, and it's been my work to look at the t- places in my life and the relationship I have, and to I'm not I don't want to get rid of it because I think it's a really beautiful quality that I have. Mm-hmm. But my work has been these last ten years to integrate it. How can I integrate it more? How can I bring that part of me into my core, into right. who I am as a man? Right. And, uh, and I feel like it's, and I feel like I've, I've, um, I've really overcome the, uh, the shame around. Right. Like Question. What's interfering with your happiness? Is there something preventing you from achieving your goals? Do you struggle with uh, depression, anxiety, stress, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQ matters, grief, self-esteem? Well, most of us do. So I want to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp will match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you will start communicating in under 24 hours. This is not self-help. This is professional counseling. The thing about BetterHelp is they're great at facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easier and it's also free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. If you want convenience, if you want professional, if you want affordable, if you want a place where it 
it is safe and anything you share is confidential. And most of all, if you want something uh, that's going to change your life, you got to check out BetterHelp. Today, as a listener, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com slash angry. 10% off your first month, BetterHelp.com slash angry. Life is way too short to live and struggle. It's time to live better and a healthier life. Check out BetterHelp. Uh, at what point did you start to step out of your shadow? Was it um, related to also coming out? Totally. Yeah. And then oh was my that- God, man, 100%. Tell me about that. Is that uh, in college? It was in college. It was my, I was a senior in college. I was graduating. And um, I just got to this point, man, where I was just hurting so many people. Mm. I was hurting women. I was sleeping around with women. I was dating women. And, 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 and also simultaneously, you know, Back then, we didn't have Grinder. We didn't have right. these other gay apps. We had Craigslist, which is it, it's a its own risky <laughs> kind of way of dating or sleeping around, right? Ca- casual like, encounters, casual encounters, yeah. yeah, men seeking men. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and it's so like the the shame that I had forced me to engage in risky behaviors like that because I didn't have any other outlet, and so I was hurting myself, mm. and I was paranoid about getting sexually transmitted infection yeah and i was also dating women and sleeping with women and so i was being dishonest in all these different areas in my life while also simultaneously i was in a church and in in my head was always you're gay no you're not you're gay mm-hmm. no you're not mm-hmm. night staying up crying thinking about it praying to god like why why am i like this why is this test for me did you sleep with women um, because you're trying to convince yourself maybe you're not gay or did you sleep with women um, as a way to um, hide behind it? You know what I'm saying? As a way to Both, uh, show I, the world. Most, most of it was I was hanging out with uh, a bunch of guys who, uh, you know, what we did was we'd go out and party and like mm. bring girls home, right? That right, was right. thing. Thursday, right. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That was, that's what we were doing. Right. And, um, and so part of it was to, again, belong. To like step into this community and feel like I was part of something. Part of it was I felt like I was sick mm. and praying wasn't working. Praying to God wasn't working. So maybe if I, the more I slept with women, maybe I can feel this, a different connection towards women. Maybe I can heal. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. The, well, also uh, I know in college, um, especially, you know, um, with, with dudes, um, sleeping with women is uh, there. It's like you get uh, badges. There's they're like trophies oh you get. You know, it's a. Um, I, I had a great high school experience. I did not have a good college experience. It was a commuter school, and I remember um, the friends around me who were popular um, and in fraternities and stuff. Uh, people in the hundreds club, meaning they've slept with a hundred women at that age, and I was like, I wasn't in there, but I remember feeling left out. I remember feeling like wow, you know, um, how can I sleep with more women? How can I get more attention? How can it be more attractive? Um, But for someone who's gay, were those experiences even, um, were they good or bad? Like, how did you, how were you intimate with women physically if if that wasn't your thing? (laughs) I don't know if this is going to be too... uh... Uh, too risque for your podcast no 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 there's nothing there's nothing too risque (laughs) yo man here's here's the reality the reality is if you're gonna like put your hand on my dick it's gonna get hard 
Right, right. So yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and also at that at that age, at that age in college, it just takes to win. You know, um, I'm, I'm I'm practically still going through puberty, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. like 21, 22. I'm still right. practically going through puberty. It's right, so, like, right. Exploring yeah. what it means to have sex. Right. At 47, um, you got to buy me dinner. I, I I I need you to read me a poem. Tell me you love me. You know. Yeah. But yeah, in your 20s, it, it, you're you're right. It you you could mentally. Um, just think of an image and, and boom, it's on. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally, man. And so um, it felt um, it felt very dishonest because I could I would be sleeping mm. with women and thinking about men. Right, 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 right. Now, was it was it pleasurable? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Physically it's pleasurable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Physically, it's you were like, still turned on. Very pleasurable. Absolutely, one hundred percent. But I also felt like I remember during intercourse, I could feel like, oh my god, this does not feel right. This is not. Mm. Right. This is yeah. Not yeah and then afterwards feeling guilt of like being with a woman and laying in bed and feeling like wow this is so not fraudulent yeah it's false advertising so she is into into you and also um um for for most women especially at that age it's an emotional connection so now they're possibly having feelings for you well and that's that's part of you know you know part of the shadow that i have is the the ability to uh bring people in Right. Like I'm, I have a very warm personality, I have yeah, a very like charismatic yeah. personality in right. so many ways. Like I've done that to be liked. Right. Right. You know, I've, right. I've created, I've had this identity to like, to help be feel like I belong with people and to belong in different groups of people. And so, which, which is a, which is a gift and also can absolutely. be a curse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, I think it's beautiful that, that if you have, if if we are aware of what these shadows are then we can start to integrate these shadows into our lives and so that they can continue to be not not a protector but a provider for us mm-hmm. how can we be productive with this you know yeah um, and so so man like i um in my last year of college uh i was just like really starting to question my own beliefs and like everything 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 yeah mostly, yeah, yeah most of my beliefs around god yeah, because um, I, I in my in my church, it, I haven't actually really talked about this, but I was I was raised in a cult, mm-hmm. and uh, it was pretty severe. Uh, but the first thing that they ever taught us was homosexuality was a sin. Yeah, yeah. And so at a really young age, from the time that I knew my sexual identity at around eight, nine, or ten, I knew that I was a sinner, and I knew that mm-hmm. I was sick. And so um, it 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 took me over a decade for me to come to terms and say, you know what. I think I'm actually gay. Mm. And, uh, and, um, and so I finally came out and I came out to my mom and it was probably uh, one of the hardest experiences of my life. But also, how, did, how did she um, respond to that as an, as an Asian woman? Yo, man, she put her hand up. Mm. She first, it was like complete denial. Yeah, yeah. Like no, 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 no. You're. This is a phase that you're going right, through, and like right. I pray for you, and like, you know, like maybe it's just infatuation. Maybe you just like use love, uh, like hanging around with men. I'm like, nah, mom. Like I watch gay porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, also, I mean, like, wait. At what age was this? Twenty three. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay, so you weren't twelve telling your mom because no. uh, p- parents can be very dismissive at that age, right? Because you're mm-hmm. you're so young. So twenty three. Okay, so you're you're already an adult. Yeah, so yeah. 23, and she, um, and I didn't talk to her for six months. She refused to talk to me. Oh, wow. Months. Did you also tell her about the, the sexual abuse or no? 
No, mm. no. Um, and so I, she then, so she was like, you know what? You need to go talk to your uncle about this. And at the mm-hmm. time, my uncle was my best friend, my, like my father figure growing up, hung out with him all the time. He taught me how to play basketball, taught me how to shave, taught me how to tie a tie, mm-hmm. like all the fatherly things. Um, and uh, I always thought that he was going to be the best man at my wedding. And so mm-hmm. I came out to him. He was the second person I came out to. And same thing, uh, put his hand out. He rejected me, uh, abandoned me. And I haven't talked to him since. It's been oh uh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so over the next six months, I spiraled down into this crazy, crazy deep depression uh, where I contemplated suicide mm. all the time. I uh, thought about the plan, thought about how I was going to do it, thought about when, thought about how I was going to, how much uh, this was going to hurt people. And that's what I wanted. I wanted my life mm. to yeah. hurt people. I wanted yeah, my yeah. death to hurt people. I wanted to be spiteful about it. Um, well, it was your it was your way of um, revenge, right? It was your way your way of getting the getting the power back. It's like, oh, you guys are going to put your hand out. Okay, let let me um, let me hurt you because I have power over my own life. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and it took me months and months for me to really um, own that I'm a gay man. And uh, my mentor Wait, actually, where was dad? Did you grow up with just mom? No, dad was in the picture, but dad, dad actually didn't know that I was gay until two years later. Mm, got it. Yeah. And he found out through the grapevine with my cousins and my aunts and uncles. Um, and then he and I didn't talk for two years. Wow. After, I, after he found out that I was gay. Do you um, think, do you think um, cultural um, plays a, 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 a factor in this? Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because I, 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 I think also me um, being Korean – I'm trying to imagine um, what would happen in my situation. Uh, my parents being old school, you know, and from a different generation. Yeah, yeah, it would be yeah. it would be really tough. It would it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't be accepted. Yeah, you know, I mean, most most of my family are Catholics. Yeah, and so um, you know, in the Philippines, there's this interesting dynamic that's happening right now with the LGBTQ community out mm. there, where you know, like on in, in entertainment. LGBTQ people are totally accepted. Right, right. But they're usually like the butt of the joke, right? Like we Yeah, have, they're performers, right? They're, they're performers, not they're not right? in the house, that kind of and thing. And so so by like the culture and the community, they are like held up on a pedestal. They're like they're loved yeah, and they're, yeah. they are honored. If there's a gay person in your family, yeah, then it's uh-huh. shame and yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so mm-hmm. um so I think my father had some of that in him. Mm. Uh, but what I think what really helped my father were his brothers and sisters who, um, who surprisingly to me came to him and said, Hey, like, this is your son. You need to love him. We know about him and it's okay with us. Mm-hmm. So you need to reach out and you need to co- You need to reconnect with your son. And he did. Mm. He did. Oh, good. How yeah. is it now? How's your relationship with your dad now? Beautiful, man. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. I get, uh, I get tender just thinking about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, uh, my father and I didn't have a relationship for over 30 years. Oh, man. Um, and uh, So you must have been super thirsty for that, you know? Oh, my God. Uh, just because he's and your like, dad. Absolutely. And, the, yeah. you know, growing up, I, like, looked at how I responded to adult males in my life and how mm-hmm. I craved adult males in my life. And I, yeah. and, I, and I fortunately and luckily had adult males in my life who were like, yeah, I'll take you in. Like, I'll be your... I'll be your big brother. I'll be your father. Um, and my father was never like that for me. Uh, and so last year, 
um, I had an opportunity to go out to the Philippines. My dad lives in the Philippines mm-hmm. and um, for work. And I, I went out there for a week and I just hit him up and I was like, hey, dad, like I want to be out here for a week. And I'm thinking about extending my trip if you're willing to spend a week with me. Mm. And he was like, yeah, that's great. And so the next day he, uh, he sends me a message and he's like, I have everything planned. We're going to go to Palawan. We're going to go to El Nido. We have these boat trips. I've booked a hotel. I, I'm doing wow. this. We're doing this. And man, it like, it was the first time in my life that my father, I felt like my father cared about me. Wait, how did he have you when he was young? How old is he now? My father, my father's in his sixties. Oh, he is young. When he was, he had me when he was like in his early thirties. Wait, how old are you? I'm 33. Oh man. Okay. So you, I mean, sixties, he is young. Is he active? Is he, uh, I mean, you guys are going yeah. and doing things. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, awesome. Man. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and he was like, he's living the life in, in the Philippines, man. And wow. I got to spend a week and a half with he and my stepmom and it was beautiful. It was, you know, one of the, I, I, I think what's, what's beautiful about being, spending some time with my parents is I get to see all the shit that I don't like about myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and be like, mm-hmm. and like, look at and, and see my parents as like a mirror and look at how they respond or react to the world and how they navigate through the world and, pick and choose like oh shit like that's exactly what i do oh, my father getting pissed off and angry right oh, that's exactly what i do right. or my father being charismatic and loving to the community that's right. exactly what i do and so it was an it was an opportunity for me to spend time with my father gets to know him but also deeply get to know my roots and who i am mm. and, and all the characteristics that i picked up from him how does seeing that in your parents um connect you to you how does seeing that in your parents uh, affect your relationship with yourself that's a great question, man. Um, I think I think growing up and and especially as like I was just diving into just admitting that I was gay, mm-hmm. I got to see how my parents responded to 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 conflict, mm-hmm. right? And my mm-hmm. parents, my, the way that my parents respond to conflict is everything's okay, I'm fine. Put right, up de- this mask, denial, put up denial, this wall. right, denial, right? Yeah, yeah, everything's fine. But then yeah. once once everything keeps piling up and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier, then there's like a breaking point and we snap. Yeah. And I'm the yeah. same way. Yeah. And I'm with, especially with anger. Anger for me is like stuff, yeah. stuff, 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 stuff. And all of a sudden my balloons burst and I'm like, Ooh, rage. Right. I'm out here. I'm going right. to fucking hurt you. And, uh, but also like, but also seeing how my mom and my father are so warm to people. Right. Like I, I see my parents' anger. I'm like, okay, cool. I have, I have the same kind of reaction as my, my parents. But then I see how my parents are with people and how warm they are and how uh, open and accepting they are to their community. And um, that's a, I feel like that's a really deep reflection on who I am as a man. And so I get to pick all those parts and I get to say, cool, like I want to strengthen this. And then I also want to strengthen this. And then I want to like bring this thing down right here. Mm-hmm. How can I bring my how can I bring my energy and my charisma down to a neutral level so it isn't so performative? Mm-hmm. And how can I bring my anger up so then it's not I'm not isolating myself and then I, I snap in rage? Right. But how can I be more assertive? Which which is a, a lifelong practice. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I Hell was a, yeah. I was a walking reaction most of my life, man. Um, um, hence the angry therapist. I was very mm-hmm. angry, um, a shell of a person. 
um, always chasing shiny things, trying to fit in, uh, had no sense of self, um, struggled saying no, all of that stuff. So, uh, and, and now being 47, you know, I feel like I'm just pedaling the bike, getting the hang of it. Um, and of course, you know, we, we snap back and, and there's tugs that we feel that, you know, remind us um, of who we used to be. Right? Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I think, I think that's beautiful. I think we, I, you know, in this work, I often get people who will have these like highs and lows in their development. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And when sure. we, when we first start kick off our relationship, it's like, boom, hi, like, great. I'm, I'm like on this, like, I'm on this, uh, this like kick of personal development. And as we start to get to know ourselves, we start to get calm about who we are and become neutral about who we are. Then we don't feel the highs as much. Yeah. Like sometimes we get the confusion of like, if I'm not feeling a high, then that means I'm feeling low. And, and I mm-hmm. think so often men can get confused with that, that just being neutral is a low. And so mm-hmm. I think I, I, that comes up for me because, you know, we, we have these patterns, right? We go, we go back in and out of these patterns and uh, anger is a pattern that we, we have. And, and so like, if we can like modulate ourselves and come in and lean into it just a little bit and feel what this anger is and then just lean back just a little bit more and see what it is to be neutral, mm-hmm. then we can start to feel even more of like the kick, the high, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Am I making sense there? Yeah. You know, it reminds me of um, how we are with uh, body transformation, with fitness. Um, You know, New Year's comes and we set these resolutions. We're all pumped up. We join programs. We buy the equipment, you know, and we want to lose weight. And then, you know, one month in, you know, it's now we hit the hit, the, you know, we, we, we give up or, or, right. or we just kind we of plateau. plateau. Right. Um, right. And, and, and we think that we're not um, because we're comparing ourselves to, you know, when we were um, very active or, you know, the, the beginning of the journey. And I think with self-betterment, it's the same, you know, people, um, when they want to grow, they get super excited, which is great. It's coming from an authentic place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they, you know, they drink the Kool-Aid, they want to change their lives. And then, um, after, you know, the retreat or the books or the sessions or whatever, um, they start to uh, plateau, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and what we try to do at the Unshakable Man is instill this idea of, you know, every single time that you become aware of your reaction or your response to the world outside of you, that deserves a celebration. That deserves you bringing up like, like spiking up the dopamine in your head and being yeah. like, oh, like, I recognize that in, in anything, right. And recognizing like, okay, cool. I'm in a high right now. And this feels really good. And like really sitting in this feeling of joy and love and mm-hmm. ecstasy, but also noticing in our lives, like, wow, I'm not feeling the love right now. I'm not feeling the joy. I'm not feeling the ecstasy. And that in itself, just recognizing that yeah. is a celebration yeah. in itself. And that in itself allows us to, um, to kind of put things, put our life and development into perspective that it's not always going to be this right. huge kickstart. Right. And, and, when, and, and when, when you are either plateauing or in a low, um, you're, you're right. I mean, uh, awareness, being aware of that, acknowledging that is huge because what we do is um, if we don't do that, then we run away by, um, you know, um, our vices. So right. We will try to get dopamine in other places, and a lot right. of times that's unhealthy. So whether it's sex, drugs, uh, gambling, whatever it is, right? So uh, just being aware 
that this is where I'm at and there isn't a, a crazy dopamine shooting in my brain and, and it's okay. The sky's it's not okay. falling. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh no. So I was going to say also in relationships, you know, just because it it's not yes. crazy fire chemistry and, you know, um, having afternoon sex and stuff, uh, that it doesn't mean that your relationship is in trouble, <laughs> right. you know, that, right. that cruise control can be a good thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I'm in a, I'm in an eight year relationship going on nine. My husband wow. and I have been married for almost five years. Yeah. And, um, you know, like it, there, we always hear or growing up, I heard like, you know, in, in media, like the, the family unit just kind of like getting kind of stagnant and, mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. but, and then that, it, that in media is a bad thing, right? Like this is not right. fulfilling right. anymore. This is not enough. And so right. oh, something is wrong in our relationship. And the right. reality is, is my husband and I, we're just constantly evolving with each other. And the things that used to light us up in our relationship don't light us up the same way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but that doesn't mean just because we don't have the same kind of highs or the honeymoon phase or mm-hmm. the, the the afternoon sex doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with our relationship. It just means that yeah. we're growing and evolving with each other. I think it's easy to judge relationships based on our programming, advertising, um, you know, the uh, the movies and 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 and, and all the stuff that the blueprints that have made us think that uh, our uh, intimate relationships um, should be very fantasy fairy tale you know um exciting all the time yo man but also like it for us men right our relationship to other men yeah right like if we bring this back to men's work like what we watch on tv is what's glorified on tv is men pounding each other on the on the gridiron or like yeah pinning each other down and the octagon yeah that's glorified and that is in in so many ways that that affection that touching is intimacy in so many ways but it's disguise in this place of violence yeah and yeah and we as men we naturally want to be with other men we want to be held by other men it is part of our development when we were young boys right before puberty it was natural for us to find guys find other boys that were like us and be best friends with them and want to tell them that we love them and like hold them put our arms around them and and like Mm -hmm. be super intimate and affectionate with them and then of course conditioning happens of you know, there's social pressures and then media telling right. you know, you're gay if you do that. Right. Um, but, but that feeling of connection never leaves. We always want that. That's a really good point. I, you know, didn't think about that. I know that when I was going on my journey um, um, after my divorce, uh, I discovered um, other men had coffee crepes and, and for the first time in my life um, had conversations about deeper things. And I realized, wow, um, and it was the first time in my life as a 35 year old that I didn't judge that. Um, and it wasn't about performance or competition or fighting someone. It was about just um, talking about our feelings and our struggles. And so it wasn't a retreat. It just happened organically because we were, um, um, I'm waving to someone. Sorry. You're like, what, what is he doing? Uh, it, it was, uh, it happened organically uh, because we were all going through something. Right. So that was a common bond. And I realized, um, Oh, this is actually needed. And, and that's why in my book, I put, um, that uh, a mandates are a mandate, uh, and I think mm. it's 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 you're 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 talking about that, which is in our early years um, before uh, conditioning, before the locker rooms, before whatever. Uh, we had no problem hanging out with our best friend and for hours, you know, playing and doing stuff and hugging each other and um, right. and then yeah, and then suddenly that was uh, 
gay or suddenly right. that that was bad or wrong. Now you should be, um, you know, chasing after girls. Right. right? And then suddenly, and, yeah. And for me as a closeted gay man and having these feelings, right, having these feelings for my guy best friends, I, I was afraid of that because I didn't want them to know my true identity. Right. right? right. And so I stopped myself from being affectionate or, or having kind of intimacy with these guys in my life um, because I was afraid that I would out myself in that. Yeah. And, 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 and you would be would judged. Bring, you'd be right. judged and you'd be pushed away. Right. That would bring a whole new set of conflicts that I wasn't ready for. Right. You know? right. But we as men, like even, even today, like, yo, like the highest demographic of suicides in America are 45 and 65. Why the fuck is that? Yeah. Right. Well, also, also men, um, um, we as humans have ideation, men actually execute. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we look at these guys that are in their forties to sixties and we ask, what are the, what's their community look like? Who, who can they call on when mm. they are having trouble or do they even know how to call on someone when they're having trouble? Right. Yeah. Uh, I like to do this exercise with my clients uh, where, I, where I ask them to find someone in their life who um, I call them uh, your, uh, your, your pulled over friend. So if you get pulled over, if you get stuck on a side on a, on a highway, who the fuck are you going to call and mm. who's going to come and get you? Right. 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 Yeah. And if you don't have anyone like that in your life, then it's time for us to figure out who that person is. Yeah. And how we can develop that connection, that relationship with someone. Yeah. Right. Like we as men, we want someone to have our back. And so often we lean on our partners for them to have our back, to like be our confidant, to be mm -hmm. everything for us. Mm -hmm. And our partners can't be everything. Our partners won't be everything. No, you know, I, I think we get something from other men that you can never get. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're, you're gay or straight or whatever from your partner. Right. Right. And, and also women too. Um, we get something from our friends that we, we just don't from our, who we choose to love and that's okay. For sure. You know, Absolutely. and that's, that's why we need friends, you know? Um, yeah. and a lot of times when we get into relationships, uh, if you're a monogamous and you're just focusing and revolving your whole life around that one person, um, you're kind of creating your own prison, you know? Uh, and that's that relationship is then it just, it can't hold that pressure, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. And you know, I, I see men out there all the time who feel like they're okay, but miss the connection with other men. They miss yeah. their boys. Yeah. You know? Or or they have their boys still and and all they do is locker room talk. Right. Or right, all they do right. is talk about sports. All they do right. is talk about guns or beers or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, they don't go into the nitty-gritty of what life is really about. You you know what I love about um you, and I think this is what um very powerful about you um people men like you are becoming the bridge do you know what i'm saying um uh the fact that you can grow a full beard like that man <laughs> like like that's very manly i mean dude there there are no holes in that beard that shit is like <laughs> dude I, I so i could grow one long hair and wrap wrap that shit in circles but um um i mean look at look at the look how thick that beard is man that's that's amazing so in our world you know, even like something like facial hair is very manly, you know? So, um, but also at the same time, um, being gay, right? And also at the same time, leading other men, uh, expressing yourself, sharing your struggles, um, having a history of, you know, uh, sexual abuse, which men don't talk about, right? 
that puts you into a whole nother category, man. That story sets you up for um, connection because now uh, men can relate to you whether they're gay or straight. Men can relate to you whether they are uh, you know, sensitive or manly or whatever. Uh, whatever bearded the, 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 or non-bearded. Beard, yeah, exactly. So I can relate to you <laughs> and I can't grow facial hair. And, and, and men with long beards can relate to you. So um, that, that's what makes you powerful. You know, uh, and I think that's um, we need people. We need men like you uh, to be out in the front in the trenches because uh, you're going to be able to connect to more men. You're going to be able to throw a wider net because of your story and because of your courage. You know, so you you leading by example. And there's there's a few other men. Uh, well, there's a lot of men doing this. Uh, but personally, I know um, even like Dak Shepard. You know, um, he he is out with his addiction and uh, how he was molested. Um, and also, but also like the guy, like, you know, uh, rides motorcycles and does a lot of adventure stuff, um, but also is very sensitive and Justin Baldoni, he's also someone yeah. like that. Who's uh, very handsome and actor and abs and all that, but also, um, you know, talks about, um, redefining man, you know? And yeah. so, well, uh, I mean, that, I think what you're saying is representation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like this is like growing up as a Filipino American, there wasn't much representation on media for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And you could probably agree or, or relate as a Korean man that there wasn't representation. Right. And so I, as a, as a queer man of color who also identifies as um, uh, more masculine dominant, right. Mm. Um, that there is representation for men who say, wow, like I, I have these like very quote unquote manly things about myself and uh, these masculine attributes about myself. But I also feel that there's this pool to be emotional and be sensitive. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you and I, guys like us who have this like front facing masculine type of look is accessible to these guys who say, awesome, like I can relate to that guy and right. they're doing emotional work and they're talking about their feelings and they have no fucking shame around it. Yeah. So, I can do that too. Yeah. And I think that really matters. That really, really matters. I think that's the way in. And I think um, what's exciting, and I kind of want to end on this exciting note, is that it's finally happening. You know, um, I come from a generation where it wasn't that long ago that, you know, Jerry Lewis was taping his eyes back. And, right. and um, I grew up in the 80s where when Asians weren't cool, um, I was one of the, the few Asians on my block. Um, and I got really lucky and I, I, I didn't get picked on and make, I didn't get made fun of because I had an ability. So whether it was skating or breakdancing, I got in through the side door through an ability. Um, but if I didn't have that, I would have been bullied. I would have been picked on. I would have been outcast and, and um, that would have definitely affected me. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I think now today, and, and this is also why I really appreciate you is uh, being a man of, of color, you know, and, 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 and um, working with other men, because there's also not a lot of that, you know, right. um, when I was in therapy school, there was no, there was not, there was also, there was no, no men, but also there, there were no Korean men, you know, we were all being doctors and engineers and all of that. Yeah. So um, it, it, I think it makes us responsible, mm-hmm. you know, and I, it seems like both of us, has, we've both swam too far to turn back. So yeah, um, man. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in it too, man. I'm older than you. I'm your uncle. Crazy uncle. Um, but uh, yeah, man, a, a giant, uh, giant fist bump to you. And uh, I yeah. think we're kind of both waving the, the same flag, um, which is exciting. 
Um, and yeah, thank you for being on my podcast. I, I hope this is uh, the beginning of a, a, a meaningful relationship. And um, thank you for being so honest and open. Yeah, man. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for reaching out. And, yeah, of course. Uh, I'm so happy that we finally got to connect. Yeah. And we'll talk about off, off, off air um, what I need my friends to do and how you can get them to do that. Cool. You guys listening out there? <laughs> watch out. Thanks in the seats. <laughs> All right, Mike. Have a good one. Be well. You too, brother. All right, man.